Have you ever met a person for the first time, and you feel that you've known them all your life? It's time for the Earthling Spotlight, where we recognize an independent poet or novelist. This person not only excels in their field, but also moves the industry forward. York, who's it going to be this time? I had an interview recently with author and podcaster Shantae Fields. She is the host of Call to Action. It's a show dedicated to inspiring, educating, and informing entrepreneurs and self-starters. She offers tech advice to help you navigate this ever-changing and complicated world. Shantae is the queen of the QR codes. She literally wrote the book or at least the audiobook, called QR Codes for Beginners. This book will walk you through the advantages of using these codes to maximize your exposure. I know what you may be thinking. This may seem a little bit too techy to be on my show. Well, hang in there. Shantae has a way of making everything accessible, cool, and relatable. Also, she plays a pivotal role in The Replacement Wife, an episode in Season 3. Here's a sneak peek. He managed to grab the gun from the cabinet. We could have worked it out, or you could have filed for divorce. You made your choice. Gun wobbled in his hand. There was no clear shot. At this stage, you're starting to hallucinate. Your heartbeat is sporadic and your body is overheating. Do you have any final words before your demise? Also, thank you for listening to the Mothership episodes. Season 3 of Poetic Earthlings starts in June. Now, sit back, relax. Put on your headgear and enjoy this interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the moment that we've been waiting for, we have on our show, Shantae. How are you doing, Shantae? I am good. How are you, York? I'm doing really good. Just to let you know, you are only my second interview, and I had another person on the show. He's also from the state of Ohio. I always have a hard time saying Ohio. <laughs> Now, Ohio to me is like a different universe. I, I've never been anywhere close to there. How's it like over there? Ohio is, it's nice. And lots of cornfields where I am. I'm kind of out, I don't know, in the country, I guess. <laughs> not not totally country. It's it's a mixture. It's a nice blend. But it's nice. Ohio, for me, I like it. It's nice. I've lived here for a long time. I was actually born in Dayton, Ohio. So, And I moved all around the world and then came back to Ohio. That's incredible. I'm in, I'm in Ottawa, Canada. It's like a mixture of French and English. There's a lot of French-speaking people. When you speak to people, though, here in Ottawa, most of the people are not from Ottawa. They're from some other part of Canada, like Montreal, Toronto, Alberta. I could hardly find anyone that says, oh, yeah, I was born here in Ottawa. You know what? That's like that here, too. A lot of people who live in Columbus are, they're like what they call implants. They're here from other places. It's interesting. And I think because of Ohio State University, that may have a lot to do with it because it's a big college. So that might be 
the reason why. But a lot of people that are, that are here, it's the same thing. They're, they're from other places. Now, I've been listening to your show for a very long time, the Call to Action podcast. And as I said before we started our chat here, you, you are an absolute professional down to, down to the bone. Whoa, thank you. Like my head's over here swelling, York. It's like swelling, like real big now. There's over 3 million podcasts. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But how you operate, how you do your show, you are way above so many other podcasters in your field. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. How did you come up with the idea for your show? Oh, gosh. This is a long story. I'm going to keep it short as I can. (laughs) But I actually had been podcasting for a very long time. I did it the first time I started. Oh, gosh. This is 2021. I think I started it back in... 2009? Wow. Because I had a, a website, yeah, <laughs> long time. I haven't been consistently doing it now. I have not been doing it weekly, by, not even annually, but I did start back then, just kind of dabbled into the art of podcasting. I thought it was really cool. Plus, it was a way for me to share what I know. I like to share information, as you can tell, which is what I do on my podcast. But I started it back in 2009. It was actually under a different name, and it was called the Mobile Site Link Exchange Podcast. And I had a website back then with that same name. And really the idea for me at that time, I had these really big ambitions was like, I'm going to be like the place where everyone has a mobile site because it was new back then. If you think about it, 2009, people were still using desktop computers. So I was like, you know, people are going to have all their mobile websites on my website. But, you know, that didn't really happen. But (laughs) I still did the podcast just to talk about mobile technology and just things related to that. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. And then... Time went on, uh huh, and it, it was just been a lot of fun. I was actually doing podcasts on my phone, like I had an Android phone, so I'd sit there and record kind of quietly, you know, on my phone or maybe in the car. It didn't matter if I had something to say; I'll just do it right then. But since then, I've just kind of narrowed things down to be a little bit more professional with my presentations. But I still have fun doing it nonetheless. Then the Call to Action podcast came about because I was like, first of all, that name of MobileSiteLinkExchange.com was way too long. That is, and then I was like. I'm talking about marketing. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like typing it in, you know, it's like crazy. Not to mention it's a tongue twister. So let's pick something shorter. I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Call to action. You are listening to the Call to Action podcast, where we aim to inspire, educate, and inform entrepreneurs and self-starters on tech and tips related to navigating this ever-changing world. And if my tagline was, what's your call to action? Oh, I like that. And then, because I would see that in marketing, I'm like, when people are talking about their products, it didn't matter if it was a, a website or something they were selling or a service, the main thing to get people to do something is what is the ask? What's the call to action? And then that's how this came about. And I think I did this back, I launched the site back in 2014. I started the new podcast in 2019. Late 2019, I launched the Call to Action podcast. From there, I just grew. Now, listening to your shows, you're, you're such a positive, you have a lot of positive energy. I don't know how you could do a show like yours and keep positive in, in the world that just seems like it's falling apart. I turn on the news. I, I watch the Canadian news is awful. In the States, it's even worse. Breaking at 11, a lift ride turns to chaos when a passenger pulls out a gun and shoots another ride. We continue to track the migrant crisis unfolding in the Spanish enclave North. One week ago of a bold mission by China to construct its own space station. 
There's the rocket Long March B-5 carrying the crew module. It blasted off without incident, but Houston and the world, we have a problem, potentially a big problem. The first stage of the rocket is now falling back to Earth. How do you avoid social issues on your show? Mm, wow, that's a really good question, York. I honestly, I don't want to hear about it. I mean, there's enough of that. Like you say, on the news, it's in social media. I think people need a place they can go to or probably looking for a place they can go to where they can just let their hair down, relax and get some information that is not tainted with the other stuff that you're going to see anyway. That's how I see it. I like to highlight and focus on things that have a, a higher frequency or a better energy associated with it. So that's why I start my show with the inspirational quotes, because I feel like they're important. It sets the tone for the show. It sets the tone for someone's day if they started early in the day. I start my days with a positive note, with positive affirmation. So I feel like it definitely has a lot of benefit. So that's, that's why I do that. I definitely appreciate it because, you know, listening to your show, it's, it's relaxing. If I wanted to hear politics or social issues, I could always turn on another show. So many of them out there. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I could just get mad as I'm listening to other shows, as I get mad all the time as I'm listening to different podcasts that talks about U.S. politics and Canadian politics and everything else. I could come to your show and I feel at home. You're, you're very calm. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're very soothing. And you're right. Those things that doesn't have to be a part of it. I remember this one show I was listening to. I, I mentioned this on my podcast. It's supposed to be a technology show all about the iPhone and all about Apple. That's what it's supposed to be. So I turned it on. And for about a half of the show, this guy was just talking about U.S. politics. See what I mean? <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> so automatically, and he wasn't just talking about it in a light-hearted way. He was on one particular side. I'm not going to tell you the side, but he was on one side. And so as a listener, he just totally turned off, well, half of the listeners, because the other half is on the other political side. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'll just listen anyways. And so I kept on fast forwarding. Hopefully he'll stop talking about U.S. politics. But no, he was still on the topic. I'm like, what is this? Wow. Doesn't he know that he's, he's alienating half of Oh, I guess half of the U.S. audience voted for the other guy, <laughs> right? <laughs> the guy that he doesn't like. So a lot of people would have just simply said, no, I'm out of here and turned him off. The structure of your podcast, did it come naturally or is it planned? It's a little bit of both. The way I do my shows is I have just a few talking points that I have on it. And I do that and I let the guests know this is what we're going to talk about. And I give them just... Just, you know, just some talking points, just so that we can stay on track. Because I don't like when things get out of hand and if the conversation goes so far some other direction. For me, the goal of the show is for people to learn something. I want you to walk away with some gold in the form of information. I feel like in order to do that, let's follow these talking points. We don't have to say everything verbatim per se, but I do like to stick to that just so that we can always go back if the conversation goes off a little bit, which is fine on a tangent because I like when things flow. I like when we're having a conversation and, you know, we're vibing. I like that because people can learn from that as well. 
But I just like to make sure we bring it on home and bring it right back to the to the main topics that we have so that I make sure the listeners are walking away with that goal that I plan for them to have when they when they are finished listening to me. There's some podcasts, they they start off strong and they have a positive vibe, a good energy, but over time things kind of get stale. So how do you plan on reinventing your show? What I've been doing lately is I have the fireside chats. For me, what that does is it gives a different person's energy to the show. Because at first, I was trying to do something where it was just me talking, which I don't mind. But what I end up doing is I like to teach. So you're going to find the episodes that I do by myself are more instructional, like the book. They're more instructional. I like to do that type of work. But I feel like that's cool. But I think having someone else on the show with me is good as well. So I think having doing the fireside chats and just having a conversation with other people on the show helps to give some another set of energy and some life to the show. As far as reinventing the Call to Action podcast, I haven't really thought about that, York. One thing that I have considered, which I'm still dabbling with, is maybe doing a video show, getting comfortable in front of the camera. I have not yet done that. If you've noticed, everything I do, all my podcasts are strictly audio. And believe it or not, I am somewhat of an introvert. So I'm like, okay, Shantae, at some point, you are going to have to break out of your shell and get in front of the camera. If anything, I think I would probably switch to, <laughs> switch to video and maybe just do a few video episodes, not all of them, but maybe just maybe some surprise video episodes here or there. No, I know you mean. I, I, I could definitely see you doing that a one or two minute type of uh, YouTube video? Yeah, you know, I guess if you are looking at maybe repurposing some of the content that you have. So I think if you're repurposing something that you already have, that would make it a little easier and maybe creating chunks, you know, like your opening for the video clip that you're going to put out there and then something for the close, have that already done. I guess it's called a donut in the world of editing. Put your content in the middle of it. Now you have a full piece and it doesn't have to be really long. I think people's attention spans now are so short. I think that's why TikTok is so popular, which I am not on TikTok. <laughs> I downloaded the, the TikTok app and just to see what the young people are up to. I just can't get into TikTok. Me neither. And I'm not knocking anybody for what they're doing because it's working for them. How do you measure success? Everyone measures success in a different way. For your podcast, how would you measure it? How I feel about it, honestly. I take the time to put the shows together. Like I do everything from beginning to end myself. When I talk to the guests and I have our, our pre-interview, and then when I'm taking and after doing the show or even while doing the show, the feeling that we get when we're talking, that vibe we're getting, to me, that's success. And then when I put the show together and I hear it, that's success. And then when I post it and I share it on Twitter, which is the main social media site that I use for promoting the podcast, when the person I'm interviewing promotes their podcast, to me, that's success. That means they liked it too. I do. And this is referencing, I'm glad you brought this up because I had listened to your most recent podcast. You were talking about, you know, watching the stats and watching numbers. I look at those 
I don't let it get to me. Like it doesn't define who I am. I'll put it like that. I'll look at the stats. I'm like, okay, you know, like I'll look, you, you do want to know somebody's listening to it. And then what I do is I look at it as an opportunity to brainstorm within myself. Well, how can I market this podcast? What can I do differently to get more attention to the person I interviewed? Because really for me, it's about them. So if I do a podcast, I'm interviewing you in the podcast. I want people to learn about you because you told me your story. You told me about your book or you told me about something that you did or that's what the podcast was about. You shared valuable information about marketing. I want people to hear it from you. So I'm thinking of how can I promote this person? So it's really more about them. And I found that that has worked even to create awareness, just to let when you post something like really highlight the person that you're talking to or the person that you had on the show, for example, the guests, as opposed to talking about me. That's good. I like the way that you measure success because if you're not careful, what the world defines or mass media defines as success could get into our heads as creators. And that could be discouraging. I think a lot of artists or business leaders, they give up because they're comparing themselves to others. You know, that's, that's the mistake, York. That's it right there, is comparing ourselves to others. There is only one you. And there's only one them. So you, you'll never match up that person. They'll never match up to you. That's how I see it. I know what listeners get when, when they tune into your show. What do you get out of it? I learned a lot too. I say that on the show. When I have guests and they share information about things. For example, I had a guest on the show and they were telling me about KDP and how they get paid by, I guess, the number of page views, which is almost like how a website works if you have advertising. I never knew that until I had that guest on the show and they told me about that. So the earnings are not as high for ebooks unless you get a ton of readers of your ebook. I think I get as much out of the show as the listeners do. That's good. And speaking about earnings, because you mentioned earnings, mm-hmm. have you thought about monetizing your, your podcast? I have. I have. Actually, and it's funny you brought that up. I'm still thinking about it. I was thinking about, and you let me know what you think since you're, you're on the call with me, but I was really thinking about maybe offering promotional spots for a, a certain amount of money. I haven't quite decided, but I was thinking, you know, maybe offering maybe like a 10 second spot, depending on, you know, how it's produced or maybe a 15 second. I didn't want it to be too long because I don't want it to take over the show. I want it to be an enhancement because I want the spots to sound good, you know, from the people who would be marketing their show on my podcast. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I've actually thought about that. I don't know when I'm going to actually do that just because I want to make sure it's of a certain caliber. And then also the production of the content that they'll be sharing. I want to make sure that that is of a certain caliber as well, which brings me to ask you a question. I just heard in your podcast that you're launching a poetic earthling studio yeah that's right so when you get that up and going maybe we can talk about monetizing and you can do the commercial spots and i can refer them to you and then i can run the spots on my show with your ideas with the with the 10 second spots i think that's a good idea for your show as long as it fits into your show that you're not advertising something that doesn't relate to your audience has to be a good match also what you could probably do i noticed on your website you have a donate button 
maybe a good thing for you to to let your listeners know more about that as well, because you have a lot of great things going. Just to let your listeners know that, hey, you know what? Putting together these episodes for you, it's a lot of hard work. You're getting value out of what I'm listening. Just give a little bit of value back by hitting the donate button on my website. You could probably do that. I could see that. It's not too much to ask for. They're getting content for free. You're giving them something of value. The time that you're putting together the show is for them, is for their benefit, for their business, for their books, for whatever they're into. To turn around and to ask, hey, can you give a little something back? It's fine. It's good. It's value for value. I believe that you have different ways of monetizing. There's a lot of sponsors that you could have and different things like that. But I think the best thing that you could do personally, because you have so many good qualities. Thank you. So what you could do on your show, if you like, you could promote your, your books. Your, your show could be a vehicle for, for your own products and services. And that way, I think that's the best way of monetizing. You don't have to get a whole bunch of downloads because there are certain companies, they want you to have about a thousand downloads within one month for a particular episode for them to even take a look at you ones they want even more downloads rather than playing their game because you're good at what you do and you're an entrepreneur you could just sell courses or books and and just different things you could monetize yourself you know what that's true york that's true i am actually working on that i sent out an audio sample that i let everyone hear on twitter about that a while back because that is a project i'm working on you're right there's and you know this but there's a lot of time that goes into creating a podcast. You're producing. Yeah, you get the content. You're producing. You're putting the show together. You're editing segments together and then making it all sound really smooth and just one cohesive piece. You are a superstar. I look at you. I hear your voice. And I'm just captivated all the time. So whatever you put out, courses, books, people will buy it. You already have a built-in audience. You know what? You're right, York. I'm doing it. You know, look, this is a great show already just because you're giving such good advice. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to start looking that direction. I think it's time. I've done this for, what, two years now? And I don't charge the guests to be on the show. And they're getting a, a lot of good marketing product to promote themselves. You know what? I, I, you're encouraging me. I'm going to just, I'm going to write the course. And I, I know exactly what I'm going to write the course on. And I'm not going to say anything yet. I'll let you know when I get that done. I'm definitely going to do that. What kind of podcast do you like to listen to? I like science fiction type podcasts. And I know the stuff I talk about is business, but I do. I like things that allow me to, and even the books I listen to, I like things that allow me to kind of going into another realm where you can just know that anything's possible. I like podcasts like that. This is why I like yours, as you already know. As I say, the check is in the mail. So the, you know, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> No, that is that is authentic. I do like your podcast. Your podcasts are great. And when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Because I first saw you on Twitter 
And then I went to your website and listened to your podcast. I was like, oh, this is great. So yes, I, I do like your podcast. I've heard other podcasts too. I like yours. Like you can really visualize what's going on. And I think that's what makes yours so cool. And then you have the sound effects. You have the extra, you know, I guess it's, it's just a sound effect. So like you have when something's happening, you kind of have that that side voice that comes in. It's like, it's really cool. So it just creates a more rich experience for the listener. Well, thank you very much for that. And who is your, your influence when it comes to podcast or, or, or even the radio? I listen to a lot of audiobooks. There is a narrator. Her voice is so dynamic. And she's also an actress. She was actually in, you have children, so you probably have seen this cartoon, but it's called The Princess and the Frog. Like I told y'all, kissing a princess breaks the spell. Once you became my wife, that made you a princess. You just kissed yourself a princess. Lady that played the princess, her name is Anika Noni Rose. She is my inspiration when it comes to her voice. And if you ever get a chance to hear any of her books, oh my goodness, she does all different types of voices. If I ever get got into like voice work, like at this level, I would love to just like study under her. She did, I'm currently listening to the Shadow Shaper series audiobook. Yeah, I told you, I like, I like science fiction type stuff. <laughs> I like things that allow me to escape, but, and this is that, definitely that series. I enjoy listening to audiobooks very much. So as I said, from the top of the, uh, of the intro, I consider you the queen of the QR codes. Well, thank you. QR codes, it may seem like such uh, a nerdy topic, to be honest. <laughs> uh, please explain to my audience what a QR code is and what got you into it. QR codes are two-dimensional barcodes. They were created in Japan in 1994 by a company called Denso Wave. When they were first created, they were created to track inventory. When I first came across them, it was back in 2009. I was on YouTube and I saw some videos and they may have been from Japan. They, I don't think they were from America, but they were just some, some videos. And I was like, what are those funny looking squares that they were interacting with? Oh, oh. We were showing you how to scan QR codes with the phone. I was like, that's kind of cool. Nobody's doing that over here. At the time, 2009, we were all carrying blackberries. So I got excited and I was talking to my husband. I was like, babe, look, this is really cool. Look at these, they're QR codes. Back then, it was very different. When you scan a QR code with a blackberry, you had to download an app. And you had to take a picture of it using that app and then it would decode it and it would take you to either a website, could be a social media site or wherever the QR code was programmed to go. Or it would download, for example, like app coordinates or, or someone's contact information. From there, that was actually a big part of my first site, the mobile site Link Exchange, because QR codes allow for just a quick direct access to content that's online Bingo. without having to type in a URL on your phone. If I was going to, your, going to go to your website and listen to your wonderful podcast. I could either type in poeticearthlinks.com or if you have a QR code, maybe on a business card or you have one on a t-shirt 
or you have one even on your site. I may want to get it and download it. I may be looking at it on my desktop computer and I may be about to leave, but I want to listen to your podcast without having to type the address on my phone. So I would get my phone out, scan the QR code on your website. Scanning. And then download your podcast and listen on the go. How we got started from there, my husband and I actually started a business and we've been running that business since then. We built it off of using QR codes, believe it or not. That was, we started this back in 2012, actually 2010 officially. And then all the way through now, we've been doing it. And then also on the side, I was also doing it because we were doing B2B with my, with my husband and our business. For myself, I wanted to just reach everyone and just give like a really basic introduction to QR codes for people who may not know. And as you've noticed, they're popping up more now. If you go to a restaurant, now the menus are accessible by way of QR codes because they're trying to, you know, save on contacting and, and touching. But yes, I think they're cool. You make them sound cool. I listened to your, your audio book. Didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. But you have a good sounding voice. You know what you're talking about. You bring up the history of it. It's an interactive audiobook as well, which, which I appreciate. You make it sound simple. When you were doing this, why did you consider doing an, an audiobook? Why not a, a written book about this? I feel like you needed to experience that from me like as directly as you possibly could. The only way that I could really get you to experience what I wrote and what I put in the audiobook was for me to tell it to you the way that I wanted you to hear it. That's why I did the audiobook of it. I did think about making it an ebook, but I was thinking they're not going to hear me. They're not going to be able to really hear my fluctuations, hear my emphasis on certain things, hear really my passion behind QR codes and just how cool I think they are to really educate people on the fact that anyone can do this. It's not some mystery. It's not some magic. I show you how to do it. I wanted people to know that there's tons of ways that you can use it for your business. So that's why I did it in the audiobook version because I just wanted to be able to walk through it with you. That's why I call it an interactive guidebook because I have the supplemental PDF that they can download. You listen to the book. I even do things like poll questions, scan the code, answer the poll question because I wanted to get feedback as well. I just really wanted to be as fully of an immersive experience as I could make it using my voice and my words with the audiobook. I think it's a good idea to have an audiobook for this particular case because it's a topic that it may be, if there's non-techie people out there, and there is, it may be hard for them to get into it if it's an ebook. But if they hear somebody's voice explaining it, then it just takes away the mystery from it all and they could focus better. Is this your first publication? It is in York. I was so nervous. I didn't tell anybody. I launched this back in December, December of last year. How come you didn't tell anyone? You know, it's kind of like, this is one of my babies. I don't want anybody to say it's ugly. Yeah, so, so you, didn't, you didn't want anyone to criticize it in a harsh way, right? Yeah, I, you know, you say your first impression was that, wow, this is a nerdy topic. Am I going to enjoy this? I was like, let me 
let me wait until I'm ready to talk about it. Then I'll put it out there. I just lightly mentioned it on one of my podcasts with a guest. And I do mean a light mention. And then I put it on my website. So I put a full page up just so people can learn what they're going to be getting and what's the, the importance of doing it. Like, why do it? Why listen to my book? So I hope I did a good job with explaining that, that type of information to make it interesting. You did. Now, a lot of my listeners, they're also writers and authors. How could a writer benefit from your book? Wow. So if you're a writer and you have a print book, QR codes are mostly meant for print. They can be used in virtual and online environments, but I find they have most success in print just because you're taking content from the offline world and bringing it to the online world. If you have a book that is in print and say if you're an author that has maybe a scene in a book where you have a video that is maybe on YouTube or Vimeo that is related to that scene where you maybe have actors doing something or if it's a music video or something that ties the scene all together, then you can make your book interactive by having the QR code in certain pages of the book where there are certain scenes that have online content that would make that experience more rich by having the person scan that code when they get to a certain point and take in that additional content. Because in a print book, you're not going to have a live video. Having the QR codes in your book now allows you to tie those two worlds in together. Or even if it was music or some type of animation, if you wanted to increase your followers on social media, you can put your QR codes or one QR code with the landing page with all your social media links, or you can have a QR code for your different social media links like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Follow me. that people can scan and follow you. Really, it's about convenience. So you want to make content easily accessible to your audience. QR codes are definitely a way to do that. Yeah, I see what you mean. It, it is faster because they just simply scan it rather than typing in all the information to get to the individual's website. So I, I could definitely see the benefits of it. But walk me through the process of how you created your, your audiobook. Oh, wow. Okay, so it really just started out as just an idea. And I was like, I'm going to write an audiobook. I had a lot of information about QR codes. I like working with them. So I've been doing for years. I found that even recently, like people are not using them correctly. So I was like, there's definitely a need for this. I just took and I had notes just from things I just jotted down, some blog posts that I had written, other podcasts that I had done. And I just took it and then I organized it. I outlined what I was going to talk about. I had the chapters outlined and then I just started fleshing out the content for each chapter. When I was writing it, I was like, so what would a person who knows nothing about this want to know? And I started there, especially with chapter one, when I just got into the basics, because some people don't know the basics. They act like they do, but they don't. I wanted to make sure that people understood the basics, where they came from, the different benefits of using them. I created the STARS method. That's also in the book and it's also in the supplement. And then I put all that in the book so that people can understand if you're going to use it, do it right. Don't don't just 
put them on something and think somebody's going to scan it. True. Give them a purpose. And I wanted to make sure that people understood that too, that yeah, having them is great. Yes, anyone can do it, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. So, and I gave some reasons as to why. So I just wanted to make sure that you know, as part of the process, just things that a person would want to know. If you're a small business owner or a home business owner, some people just have their side hustles, just another piece of information to help them with that. So once I got all that together, then I typed everything out. Of course, I use Word. And then I just started recording. I found myself listening as I was reading and I would often edit as I was reading <laughs> the, the audiobook. So I edited, I think at least twice, at least before I actually released a final version. And it was probably more than that. I did a couple of takes. I would say at least three, <laughs> at least three takes. Wow. Because I did it like chapter by chapter. So I would listen to it after I, you know, recorded it. And then I'd be like, mm, don't like how that was worded Edited. or that didn't really make sense. Edited. Or if I'm, cause I know people are gonna be listening. So I'm like, does that make sense as you're listening to it? So I found myself having to reword a few things within the text itself. And then I go back and edited and re-record it. So I would just, I would edit the text and then re-record the audio. I didn't just edit the audio. I wanted it to sound really natural. Like I was talking to you because I wanted you to feel that way when you were listening to the book. And it does. It does sound natural. What was the biggest hurdle you faced during the process? Designing the cover. I am not a graphic designer. I'm not. I did the whole thing myself. I wrote the book. I recorded and edited and formatted my own audio. The cover was somewhat of a challenge for me because I wanted to make sure that the cover spoke without any words. And I hope I did a good job with that. I think I did. Because if you notice on the cover, I have like two people like on stairs and one person's helping the other person up the stairs. And then at the top of the stairs is like the big tablet, you know, with the, the title on the book. I wanted to show that you're taking some steps and you're going to get there. You're going to be, you know, go from beginner to almost expert in about an hour. I wanted the title to show that or the book cover to show that without words as much as possible. And then when you read the words, it was supposed to just tie it all together. For me, that was that was the most challenging part was getting the design. How did you get the book, the audiobook, into the digital stores? To get the book into the stores, you can find there's a number of services, but the one that I used was Find Away Voices. When you upload your audio files, just have everything separated out by chapter because everything is done in pieces. So you have your your introduction, your chapter, and then your promo audio clip that's going to be used when they distribute it to the different stores like for Apple or for Google or the other bookstores that they will put it into for you. As far as the audio, just make sure that you have your high quality audio files. The person who's mixing your audio down will be able to do that for you. Or if you're going to do it yourself, just make sure you do your research on that. Just some key terms that you're going to probably know about or have to know about is the limiter, which is an effect that you will have inside of Audacity if you use that, which is a free editing software, which is one I used. And then also the other term is the RMS normalize. Just something to look out for when you are doing your research and creating your audio files for your audiobook. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than that, it was a really smooth process. The customer service for them was great. I'm sure others would have good customer service as well. Yes, yeah, so if you have any questions, they keep you posted on the process on 
after you've uploaded your files, if it passed the quality check, and then they send you emails as your book gets put into different stores. Speaking about the stores, I can't find your book on Amazon. What's what's up with that? I did not put it in Amazon. I learned about how the publishing works for Amazon. I thought that the other services were better for what I'm doing. You can find it in Google Play. You can find it in Walmart or Kobo. You can find it on Scrib, Chirp, Nook Books, or Nook Audiobooks. And you can find it also in the Apple Store. Yeah, I got, I got my copy on Google. Cool. And thank you for doing that. Every purchase matters. How was Shantae like as a little girl? A little ball of sunshine. As far as like at my core, I'm still me. I'm still as real as I am. Still, I love, you know, music, love music back then. I love music now. I'm just like an easygoing person, like a, well, as I was when I was younger, and like I am now. That's pretty much, Shantae was a world traveler. My parents were in the military, so I got a chance to see the world at a young age. Yeah, which I think to help shape me even more to the person that I am. When you get a chance to see the world from a whole nother side of the world. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, which is a smaller town in a sense. It was on the west side, west side of Dayton. For people who know Ohio and know Dayton, west side of Dayton was kind of like the underserved community. Thanks to my dad being in the military, that gave us a chance to get out of that area to see the world. I got a chance to see things that I know people where I'm from had not get a chance to see, especially back at that time. Being able to leave where I was, go to a whole nother, what felt like a whole nother planet. You could imagine going from a small town in Dayton, all the way over to a place called Okinawa. And it was a beautiful experience. It was an eye-opening experience, and it was a growing experience. To be able to see different types of people, because where I was from, there was only two basic types, keeping it real. But when I got over there, there was a whole rainbow of people, you know? And it was just beautiful. And people were kind. What I saw is that we were there, and we were there as people, and we were there as, in some cases, we were there as Americans. That was it. You know, it wasn't what you tend to see in certain places, you know, here, even still. Which is, I think that that is an experience that a lot of young people should be able to get on all sides because it just opens your eyes to people and you, you see people from their heart as opposed to their skin, which really changes your perspective. It really, really does. The theme of my show is that we're, we're all earthlings. We're all in this together and the earth is a gigantic mothership. That's how I think of things. I try not to look at somebody's culture necessarily or their, their, or their tone of their skin. I look into their souls. And I believe that your experience traveling the world, going to Japan and different places, 
it gives you that feeling, that universal perspective. That's, that's so vital. That is so true. When you're not hosting your show or being your fabulous self, what do you do for your downtime? Uh, I do research, just marketing research, learning new skills. I like to teach myself new things and started working out even more. Not that I'm like some gym rat or gym buff. I don't want to get that straight, (laughs) but (laughs) I do believe in being healthy. Yes, health is number one on my list. Self-care, definitely number one on my list. As far as like other things, yeah, I'm teaching myself animation right now. On your show, you always have an inspirational quote. What quote would you like to leave my listeners with? My favorite inspirational quote, which is the one that I made. Here is the quotes. The journey begins when you take the first step. Courage, optimism, determination, and enthusiasm are the tools that will help you along the way. And I call that the code code. because it's courage, optimism, determination, and enthusiasm. Thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate you as an earthling. I appreciate your your audio book, your show as well, Call to Action podcast. You always just make my day. Thank you very much for being a fabulous earthling and for being on the earthling spotlight. You take care. Thank you, York. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. You take care as well. Poetic Earthlings.